You're listening to The Razor's Edge. The Razor's Edge is an investing podcast. Your hosts are Akram's Razor, an investor and trader with decades of experience in markets, and me, Daniel Schwarzman, who has been focused on the market as a career for the past decade. We take investing ideas or themes we're interested in and break them down, or we speak with expert guests to get a wider understanding of a given topic. To get episodes of The Razor's Edge, subscribe to this podcast wherever you get podcasts. Leave us a review on Apple Podcasts if you have a chance, or share this show with a friend. You can also check out our work on Seeking Alpha under our respective names, or reach us on Twitter at, at Daniel Shortman or at Akram's Razor. Our standard disclaimer and disclosure. The Razor's Edge is a Shortman Studios production. The views discussed belong to either Akram or me, respectively, or to our guests when we have them. Nothing on this podcast should be taken as investment advice. We'll disclose any positions in any stocks discussed at the end of the podcast or during our introduction to the given episode. This week's episode is on Middle East-focused audio chat company Yella, which Akram released a short report on a couple weeks ago. We explained it in our intro, so I'll keep this brief. Just want to note that we recorded this episode on Monday, May 24th. For disclosures, Akram is short Yella and long Twitter. I am long Twitter and may, though I'm unlikely to open a short Yella position. One other brief thing. Shortman Studios launched a new podcast called The Big Tech Ticket. It's hosted by James Rogers and features interviews with executives, academics, and experts in the tech sector about some of the biggest issues facing tech and society. Supply chain challenges, content moderation, AI, or this week's topic, antitrust. It's a different format, but the topics are going to be familiar to the Razor's Edge listeners. New episodes come out Wednesdays, including tomorrow. Check it out by searching the Big Tech Ticket wherever you get podcasts. I do think you're going to enjoy it. Okay, yalla, let's go. Akram, Yala was a short thesis that you dropped last week, last Monday. We're recording this Monday afternoon, Eastern time. Just... I'd say an investment presentation. Investment. conclusion that I would short this talk. <laughs> right, right. A thoughtful, very thorough presentation. We talked it out on spaces. I think I lasted on spaces for about two hours before my phone died and then... I think you kept it rolling. But so what we're going to do, we weren't able to get the recording of the live Twitter spaces call. And then we tried to do a version of this yesterday, but, uh, it, you know, it. we decided we're going to do a special version of this today where we're just going to go 15 minutes, sort of recap the thesis for anybody who hasn't heard it, for anybody who wants to get caught up to speed. And then 15 minutes on all the aftermath. There have been a few interesting things, I think, both from just the specific investment case and then just kind of the the world of releasing an investment presentation, either long or short, but especially short, sort of the company reaction, other names in the stock, et cetera. So Yella, let's go. What's the what's the what did you find? What did what's what right, I mean, caused you to make your conclusion? I, I looked at this company when it listed. You know, being of a Middle Eastern uh, American background and 
having spent significant time uh, in the region and being familiar with the region, I was naturally curious uh, from a long perspective about this platform when it listed. I took a look at it, had some friends on the buy, buy side, we, we discussed it, and I played with it for a day, downloaded the app, used it, and I just like didn't make much sense of it then, I guess would be the easy way of putting it from a user standpoint. The metrics, you know, look really nice. And it was just like one of these, like, you know, too tough. But we're, we're looking Slack and pager duty longs and stuff that I was so much more familiar with. Twitter, obviously, at the time as well. And, you know, we were kind of knee deep in that everything going on with COVID. My bandwidth to just try to figure something new out wasn't there. So, you know, it just looked like this business that I wasn't aware of and haven't been there in a while. So, Maybe I maybe I had no idea. I called some people. Nobody had heard of it either. But that was just uh, that was the take then. And fast forward, you know, the world changes very significantly. Clubhouse, I start using that maybe let's say a month later, very actively. And then Twitter Spaces, you know, I I would say I was an an early adopter. <laughs> yes, that's. Uh, uh, <laughs> I saw. For listeners, I saw, I believe, you in a space when I was going to the gym in the morning in Spain today. So early <laughs> and frequent adopter. It's it's become my, like, literally, it's replaced the radio for me when, I, when I'm on, uh, on the treadmill. But yeah, so early adopter, using it, there obvious plays around audio, social audio, got, I got interested. So, you know, we started looking at Spotify, we're talking Agora. Okay, and then there was Yellow, right? Which voice centric, they described themselves as a voice centric audio network, which uh, is hyper localized for the region, right? So I started using it actively to try to understand it better, right? At this point, I'm now looking at the financials and I'm very intrigued in terms of monetization in social audio. How can you make money out of it? I've been discussing it with you know, people on the influencer side and, you know, people on the investment side in social, right? And I mean, it's, it's obviously something we, we have contemplated with, with respect to Twitter and we've discussed on here. So, I mean, like in, it's in your wheelhouse, right? It goes from something you can't make much sense of to like, hey, there's a 60% free cash flow margin business <laughs> that's operating in the GCC, essentially speaking, that is doing social audio and you can't, like the creators can't take money out of the platform. So. Yeah, to walk, walk. So as you're exploring, yeah, like, so like what, where this it stands work? from, where this separates itself from the typical live streaming, which, you know, is essentially a China phenomenon that started, is that unlike a typical live streaming site where someone becomes a creator, influencer, et cetera, and he's supported by a fan base, whether that's directly inside the platform and the platform takes it, keeps a take. Uh, after paying the app store fees or uh, he's being supported externally through something like Patreon or whatever, right? So whether you're an OnlyFans, a Beagle Live, what's another one that comes to mind? Uh, there's, oh, for what? there's another I mean, one called Lizzie. 
lizard right, Chinese, that's a Chinese one. Yeah. yeah, there's a bunch of them, right? So there's these things where you look at them and you say, you know, there's there's a way for you to make money if you build an audience and you provide valuable content and you know, like like radio in a sense, but through an app format. These guys are very different. Well, what these guys are running is a is a completely virtual gifting model, which they claim to say replicates a Middle Eastern custom. We're not going to say custom. Is that what we call it? I mean, a tradition, say, or yeah, I mean, say, custom yeah, seems say the right it, word. You know, that it, it replicates the mejlis, which is like you know, kind of a sitting room. You know, the tra- the translation in Arabic, I think, is is, is council. It's you know traditional type of gathering, but as far as what it would be, like I, the founder of the company has described it as, you know, he used to run. Well, I don't even know if he's he ran. He was a senior person in sales at ZTE, the Chinese Telecommunication Equipment Company in Abu Dhabi, and he said that you know part of business there involved going to majlises, right? And it was customary to bring gifts. So he thought he would replicate that in a, so, a social audio setting. And they've also made an argument that like audio is more important in that, in, in that custom versus video. And it's more suited. Maybe I think, again, trying to draw into like uh, the covering up that occurs in the region, uh, the hijab and these other things. But I wouldn't understand why you, 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 you conclude the, the audio network works better. But yeah, those, those are essentially the points. Anyway, long story short, start using it. And I couldn't make any sense out of it, right? And I became a pretty active user for several months, and I started noticing all kinds of things. And I did not reconcile with what was being described. And now, you know, you're looking at it from the perspective of someone who, you know, hosts spaces, is in audio, has hosted rooms in clubhouse, et cetera, et cetera, and is like, why are there 500 people listening to a conversation that doesn't make it past, let's say, you know, what do you do? Where are you from? Right? And they're like. It's so it's constantly cycling through that very often. Why does the room structure not match what's being described when you go into it? So on and so forth. And then why is this? There's like a, you know, a big baller equivalent of gifting. You know, you can buy a VIP room, uh, a vanity room nameplate number plate for for eight thousand dollars. You know, if you want to just label your room two two two, and then there's just this gifting. And according to the management and the, and the founder, the, the business is essentially revenue of the business is driven by a leaderboard and essentially the desire of the host or anybody else to achieve fame by climbing to the top of it. And there's a leaderboard, which is segmented into four categories, and it's uh, you know room gifts, sent gifts, gifts received, and recharges. And the, the top three the main relevant one really seems to be gift sent and who's on top of that, right? Who's like, who's dropping the most gifts. And there's 30 spots on the board at the end of the month, the board's reset. Okay. What I observed in using it, like once you go into a room and there's like two people talking and 250 people listening, you click on the, you know, who's in the room and you start scrolling down as you would like if you're hosting the space or if you're on clubhouse to see who's in there. And I started observing odd things like generic numbers, you know, repetitive names. So like, you know, you go into a room, 200 people, and like, let's say like 150 names, literally counting them, by the way, one by one, uh, named Osama, 
with the same type of profile, same like what, the way it's being classified by them, but you know, followers, following, rooms, rooms joined, et cetera. So it was just odd in terms of using it and, and where you're like, all right, so are these bots? I mean, are people buying bots to inflate their follower count? Well, no one's really like that's not seems to be a focus on this app because these people on these leaderboards are, are almost all unanimously following nobody. Like if you take the top 30, like 25 follow zero. And then there's just a handful that seem to be in some following activity. So like that didn't make any sense. So I could rationalize and like we've discussed this before. I mean, like bots are kind of a thing of social platforms, right? And they tend to be static, you know, particularly like on a Twitter or an Instagram when you have these followers. But when you have people in a room in a live audio chat, like it's hard not to notice it, right? Because unlike, you know, like, you know, X, Y, and Z has an inflated follower count. Like if there's, if, if you and I are talking about like the weather and there's 1600 people listening, right? I'm going to be like, what, what the fuck's going on here? I mean, I've, I've watched people drop off very interesting combos on, on spaces and like you get down to eight or nine people, right? Yeah, there's, there's, there's that. It, so my understanding is that these, there's that weird thing going on the engagement isn't very clear you've talked about the fact that they're they there are admins in the room who are kind of fostering the roaming environment so i mean you've got like i mean all i the first two things that i noticed was that they claim that they do not pay for user generated content that they have 4.5 hours plus of daily active user engagement on the platform and that they have something to the tune of as of last quarter on the, on the audio platform, 7.2 million monthly active users. And they had talked actually at, at, uh, during the IPO roadshow of over a, over a million, 1.2 million or so uh, DAUs. So yeah, you're on this platform and you very quickly, whether it's in English or Arabic or anything, get the sense that those metrics can't be possible. And even if you hadn't gotten that sense and spent the amount, the amount of time you need to get that sense, like you start noticing things like there's like the hot rooms, which is like they have a discovery mechanism where they put some rooms that are hot. The top hot rooms consistently day in, day out, the entire time. I mean, and this dates back to even the few times I looked at it separately before I became an active user over the last couple of months have like tons of just these like red flaggy you know, whatever you want to call them, bots or fake accounts or duplicating accounts or scripted accounts where you just scroll through and, you know, between two or three types of profiles, you you can account for up to 95% to even 99% of the people in the room. And optically, when you're looking at it from the lobby, you know, you see these big numbers and then you go in and there's nothing close. And then there's the admins who, who said like, you know, there's about three or four typically assigned to a room who are working in shifts. They're, they're on the job, essentially speaking. I, I, my best guess, you know, management has chosen so far not to clarify their position on that, is that in their 20F, it's what they're classifying as third-party contracted customer service professionals, which is reasonable. I mean, if you're going to run a, an audio platform, particularly in, in general, but like, you have all the problems of any social network, particularly if everyone's anonymous, right? But like, if everyone's anonymous, you have a huge moderation challenge because you have all the typical bad behavior that can occur 
in social media and just amplify. So people coming in, trolling, behaving in a certain way. And then you have this like, because you've gone kind of like across certain types of regions and socioeconomic areas, like you need somebody to kind of steer the conversation. Like you need somebody to greet, talk. And that person, by the way, ends up spending a lot of time trying to manage the chaos and like the occasional churn that you're having, the people coming in and out and like dropping a mic and then being kicked off a mic and so on and so forth. But it's very clear that they're paying. And my understanding is uh, at least, the, you know, up in the UAE, up to $400 a month for people who work these, these shifts in these rooms as hosts. They call them admins, but they effectively, they double as, you know, a host. They moderate, they steer the conversation, they explain things with respect to the platform, et cetera. So these were all things that supposedly weren't going on and it was just kind of like native. And, you know, you started adding up these red flags and you're like, okay, these, like, you know, the users are inflated, all these things, but that none of that really gets you too excited till you get to the gifting. That's where you're like, really what's going on here? Because it's the most profitable social media type of business ever built. They have 60% margins. And that's because they seem to have these whales who want to climb the leaderboard. And, you know, they stated that in 2019, they were like 20% of revenue. They said that at IPO, like the, the top 100, sorry, being 20% of revenue. So you have a hundred users out of 7 million monthly actives and a hundred or 20% of your, your revenue, because like you've got a guy supposedly number one in 2019 was, was 220K uh, US dollars in virtual gifts. And right now, like you got, I mean, up until this month, you know, people based on the math on the leaderboard and the currency exchanges and, and doing that math, <laughs> relying on what they, what they project, which by the way, it seems a lot of people have, you have people now gifting up to $100,000 in a month. And the top 20 of the leaderboards in September, you know, being above $30,000 to $40,000 a month consistently for like, you know, number 20. And the cutoff, and I know well. You you found issues like glitches or whatever with that, but there's also just. I, mean, the... I observed. I observed in a one-hour time period, like essentially, you know, you want to call it a glitch in the matrix, gift gate, or whatever. The gift counter break from what it's been doing essentially since September, and it had been. I mean, you can say it was smooth within kind of a, an expected range relative to what they had been disclosing. I don't know whether or not you can measure that in any which way, shape, or form, but you could do the math on what the monthly was. You could look at the math on like what the average age of the account of the profiles on the leaderboard was. You could follow these guys, maybe occasionally catch them talking in a room. Like there's these types of things you could do to try to get a sense of what was going on with the leaderboard. But then in one day, the leaderboard just went crazy. So like in three, three, the room gift board, the top four hit 3 billion in room gifts, right? That's the equivalent of 65% of quarterly revenue passing through four, four of their rooms, and they claim tens of thousands, not hundreds of thousands of rooms, four of their rooms in like a little over an hour. And then the leaderboard, where I haven't seen anyone really get over 13 or 14 million coins gifted sent for a month, the top three gifters got up to like 150, you know, 140, 100. 60 million, stuff like that. This lasted 
like the whole thing, maybe for about six hours, and then it was gone. Now the gifts received counter counted none of this. So it's very important when you look at this, they disclose in their filings that the main driver of revenue is the board. And the board is run with a real time counter. Okay. So you would have had to have the sent gifts break, the room gifts break, but the gifts received not. And just like a mass influx of gifting that occurred. And it wasn't even like proportional, like the names changed, everything changed. And then slowly it's like, it appeared like someone was working on fixing it. I, I mean, I've discussed this with a few people since and they look like, you know, it was a pre-production script being run and, uh, you know, like certain errors went through or whatever, who knows. But the bottom line is you observe a complete explosion in the gifting, supposedly perfect real-time counter, which most people from an investment standpoint, and I've seen this with this, where like they're like, okay, I went in this room and there's four, you know, uh, 48 people with the same name, you know, out of 60 people. So all right, those 48 are like, you know, they don't exist, or it's like one, you know, end account, and it's like some Android emulator or whatever is being done. But look at the leaderboard. You know, it goes about like the Tommy Boy joke, like, you know, the guarantees on the box, right? They do the math, they look at the leaderboard, and they say, the Gulf, oil sheiks, oil princes, whatever. Uh, it's believable. You know, it's COVID. They both be bored as hell. So, yeah, why not? Why isn't somebody just dropping 100000 in, in virtual gifting to achieve status there? They have nothing else better to do. And that conspicuous consumption argument has tended, you know, to go far. I mean, far enough to, I mean, what this thing got to about a $6 billion market cap. Right. Without anybody, like, I mean, again, like when you say bladed, like you download this app, this is the difference between other things. Like you download the app and you start playing and you start having conversations and you get to know people on there. Right. And you talk to the admins and you listen to them talking about their lives and things like that. And that's when you get into this whole, you're not necessarily trying to unravel a mystery, but it starts to feel like it because you're like, look, the technology stack here is third party API driven. Right. Then you can look at the gifting engine. It's a dead copy of Bigos. Right. And then you look at what they're doing with their infrastructure. I mean, they're relying on, on Agora and Zigo as they disclose. And I mean, it's third party API. So they have to have developed some sort of magical secret sauce understanding of the Middle East. And nobody else can replicate that secret sauce. That doesn't exist in the app. So, like, they have to be acquiring traffic in a way that nobody else has figured out and at, at a manner that's cost effective. And they have to have, you know, onboarded like a cadre of whales that nobody else knows how to onboard, including locally and anybody else who can plug into this stuff. And I mean, if you look at this company before their series A, like there's about, a, you know, a little over a million dollars went into it. You could you could get this business off the ground for less than a million dollars. So you got to ask yourself, like, what are they doing that's unique to generate, you know, I mean, like this quarter, 220% revenue growth and 60% free cash flow margins. And can they explain it? And that's where you kind of run into, uh, I mean, you hit a wall. I mean, there's a lot of stuff that starts to not reconcile, right? Like they tell you that 20% of the revenue comes from VIP memberships, but then there's, no way to onboard 
an iOS user to a membership. And then you ask them why that's the case and they just say it's not available. Of course, they did add some low tier last week, which I thought was interesting. Something called a patrician versus the Marquis and, and Barons and Kents, right? They added something for $19 a month, which is almost equal to the, the coin value. I mean, almost as if someone read a report on Monday and was like, yo, yo, uh, we need something in here uh, because uh, people chasing status uh, probably have iPhones, right? And then there's this other, like you get into the financial things that start, like the sensor tower numbers don't add up. Of course, those could not reconcile. I mean, they're estimates, but like you ask questions and then it's like, you have this amazingly profitable business and you chose an auditor who's like, it's his third audit. The last one was delisted. Immediately, the type of auditor is going to get crap in a world where we've had so many Chinese-related frauds in the U.S. market that you're, you're going to get painted with that brush. Like You would think that the first thing you want to do if you're IPOing September 29, 2020, is if you're, going to, if you're going to come to market in that window, find an unimpeachable auditor, and you're going to get billions in valuation premium on a business like this, right? It would seem to be like a no-brainer if you were, I mean, they have kind of gotten that because of what happened with Clubhouse, but it would be an easy way for everybody to be like, okay, I'm not going to focus on the financial reporting because that seems to be clean. This, like, you know, you get to that, like that. I mean, I got to that at the very end and I didn't even include that in really what, what I found. Because I was just focused on the on the user experience, which goes back to like, why would I gift you as the whale? This goes back to the idea, like a measureless being a place where like a heavy powered businessman or like a juiced in person in Saudi or Qatar or Dubai or Abu Dhabi hosts people and they show up and they bring a gift. You know why they bring that gift? They want to do a business deal. Okay. So he's opened the door for an audience. Anybody can get a meeting with this big wig. So you're going to get attention by bringing a gift. But that gift is not charity. You may want a government contract. You may want to make progress. You may want further introductions, right? You, know, you may want to sell telecommunications equipment, which is what this guy was doing, right? So the people who show up are gifting out of the kindness of their heart. So, I mean... The, the, he hasn't cracked the code here on some sort of behavior that nobody else figured out in, in Mina. And that's where you get when we get into like, you know, I don't really know how this is going to be digested over there once someone takes a close look. But I don't think there's any way positively to explain their unit economics that does not look bad. Because if you take a close look at the unit economics and say, well, based on your technology stack and the fact that you've copycatted this, like, it doesn't seem like it's possible that someone could have achieved this, right? So there's, you first go to the F word and you look at things like accounting, the auditor, and stuff like, you know, that doesn't reconcile like the, uh, the usage patterns, the fake accounts, bots, whatever, inconsistencies with like, you know, why are you reporting less than this? Is there money coming in from other channels? It's not the app stores, everything that you like, you know, just a whole host of things that add up. Or you're going to look at it and say, it's all real, but there's something you don't want anyone to know that's going on here that is unacceptable as a business because you have no social media presence when you could have a, a hire a small army, all right? Like you haven't updated your YouTube since 2017, 
okay? I'm like, your how-to videos, you're still linking to them on your website, right? This goes back to the whole onboarding thing with iOS, where like they point you in a direction of a WhatsApp channel and then you can't figure it out. And like you spend 48 hours and they haven't onboarded you. And you would think, hey, you have such a lucrative business of whales, like you've been doing this repeatedly, but then you get the feeling that it hasn't been done ever. Like immediately, forget what you're looking at. You just get the feeling this is, the, I'm like the first time whoever this is dealing with this, they don't have an automated like manual script or anything to feed me. So it's just weird, right? And when you get something that's, that's weird like that, you're like, all right, maybe there's some sort like, is, uh, are there private rooms that like are, you know, card rooms? Is this like some uh, underground poker table? Like, what is it? Like, you can't figure that out there. And like, you know, like, if, is that a possibility of what's going on here? And if that's what's going on here, well, okay, then, you know, there's no business, right? <laughs> like, as you start, start asking yourself, is this a front for something else? Like, why, why would you come out and say you're hyper-focused on this and you want to build the greatest thing in MENA and then start talking about South America and Europe or India? Like, why do you have this amazing whatever and, like, all of a sudden you're knocking off the same Indian Ludo game, right? Where, like, it's done over 500 million installs. And you somehow are getting a monetization rate of 10 times theirs, right? What is going on? Like, it, it, I mean, it, it, it is nonstop not passing sniff test. So that was, the, that was, I mean, I went through that and I was like, all right, I was willing to short this stock, you know, like with all the other stuff that like came to market and IPOs at like 25 bucks and thought that it would trade back to 15 without knowing any of this. At this point, you're like, all right. I mean, this is good, but like, this is a company that's there's. I'm like, I, you can't you can't take a position here, and just assume like next quarter they miss, right? Because if all this is going on, this is not a company that like next quarter is coming out and be like we we, we stop figuring things out, right? I mean, that's just like you're like you're. It's a moving target, and it's it's likely to be something that says we're going to do this and we're going to do that and we're going to be doing this and we're going to be doing that and we're going to take over the world. And by the time you get around to waiting to be like, hey, well, this doesn't make sense, right? People have moved on and they don't care about it. Like 100% of your revenue essentially like six months ago was coming from audio. Now you're saying it's like, you know, a little less than 85%, right? Like, you know, now all of a sudden it's like, I got to spend some time looking at this game where you've rolled in some of the audio features. Like, how are the installs getting me here? Like, how do you get up to the app store on this level initially just to get a spike at launch? each time then that fizzles out. Like, what, what are you doing? And it's just so many questions that I just figured like some of it is just like, you know, outside of, outside of my area of expertise to put it out there, right? I mean, like what else, what other way to do it than see what kind of explanations come back or who defends it? And in this case, put it out and like, nobody's defending it. Everybody, like the beauty of it is everybody can go download it immediately, right? So you don't have that, that challenge of being like, and people have been using audio. So like, I felt like I was a good person to share that since uh, I'm an audiophile and that that would kind of deal with some of the element around the, the negative element of shorting. And then like, you know, we can get into, you know, what happened after that. Right. Yeah. But, let's, let's, so and first just a comment and then to go into what happened after. I think what's so interesting about what you set up is the on the surface, it doesn't totally make sense. Then you start digging in a little bit and you see the things with the repeat accounts or whatever else that are more question marks. Like it kind of go keeps going deeper and deeper without 
needing to go into the conspiracy theory level or whatever else, but it just seems like there's, yeah, it's just, it's a pretty, and this I think goes to the aftermath. It's a pretty clear case and there is, it's hard to imagine what the refutation is since so, and we ended, that ended up coming in at about a half hour instead of 15 minutes. That's okay. The, since the release, since the Twitter space last Monday, and you also released your presentation on it and a two pager, of course, then two days later, another short seller came out, their first ever report, Swan Street Research. And then on that same day, that was what actually got the company's attention. And they responded. Because that was more of a proper short report, right? Like it was very focused on here's your auditor, here's your auditor's track record, here's what's here's like cash balances, here are the forensic type of things. But then like he did a very good job as well on the uh the social media stuff, right? Like where's your social media footprint for being a phenomenon? And I mean, he had, you know, according according to his report, an ex-employee, right, you know, on the record telling him these things with respect to uh, what percentage of accounts are fake and uh, what that employee thinks are the real users. And, you know, a whole host of other things that, you know, typically fall into the category of uh, a company that is being accused of fraud on the market. In this case, an IPO. And so they, so the company came out that By day. Way, the record did not know, do not, did, do not know. Well, I mean, now I know him, but did not know him or, discuss this with anybody who came out with that stuff, which is a very interesting thing we'll get into following that. Well, so, because there's the two parts of this to ask about. There's the short side, and then there's the company response, which, you know, was pretty straightforward, legalese, not a lot, no refutation in detail. They ended up, ended the week by announcing a share buyback, which is curious. So let's start with it. What did you make of the fact that your first short idea in almost two years and somebody's coming out short a couple of days after you. What's your like? Well, I mean, in, in, in the environment that we've had and like my reluctance around shorting and like the headaches that these things cause, I thought that putting out something and being willing to state that I was short based on my usage. I mean, I was very, very, very focused on, hey, this is the, this is the guy who's been using spaces and Clubhouse has been using this. And this is, this is what I found, right? And I documented. And here are my hypotheses as to what I what like could be going on and what I just don't understand and let let them explain. I didn't want it to turn into like I mean, and I had I, it's not like I didn't go after I'd, I'd gotten through all the usage. I could have taken a much harsher approach. I mean, I had people look at it who understand the space exceptionally well, okay, and they could make two cents out of what's going on. Obviously, they were immediately like, "Wow, this is bad." And how much is the market cap? You know, <laughs> that type of thing. But. I was I was really like sensitive to like what we've gone through with this like you know uh, retail willing to trade anything and it's kind of like it's a tough borrow and these types of things and like people are gonna just be like oh it's just about like you know a bunch of spacs have fallen a bunch of IPOs have fallen you're late late to the party and you, like this looks like a you know what do you want to call it like a low hanging fruit and let's be honest once you're done with it it is a low hanging fruit <laughs> amazingly. Nobody had gotten around to it, but it turns out a lot of people were actually looking through it, right? But yeah, when you haven't done something in two years, and as soon as you do it, it turns into not one, not two, but three, four, right? People follow suit. And I mean, like one of them, a very established, you know, active short seller, who, by the way, doesn't post very frequently, right? 
So I also want someone who was picking a spot there. That's Gotham you're referring to. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And in 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 that case, you're like, all right, like I mean, the the, the first guy, Swan Street, like he, he's literally telling you this, I'm doing this, this is my first one, right? He's entering the activist shorting business with this. He's leaving the South Side. That's how he described himself. And when the first time I read it, I was like, oh, this guy's gonna fuck this up for me. Because now it's gonna be viewed as like a, a tag team. Right. And I've never even I've never even heard of him, let alone met him or discussed this with him. But then I read it again and I was like, all right, it's a lot of work into it. And then like he came onto the space and we talked and then Gotham followed up. And then you got this bear cave by by Thursday or Friday. Right. Or what, I think it was Thursday. Was it Thursday? I think Thursday he released. Yeah. Yeah. So by that point, I was like, all right, I guess this makes it more credible because you got this many people. So I've been looking at this company who are not talking to each other. And when you have it that way, it's like when the company puts what, what they put out, you're like, well, this makes you look even worse because you're saying it's a short attack. But it turns out that you have four different people spending time on Yella, none of which are, are talking to each other in the marketplace. And all of them have come across all kinds of oddities. And I guess I triggered it by putting out what I put out. But like they all follow suit, right? Nobody hesitated. And then here's the thing: I mean, in, in almost anything I've ever done, the short, the short side, there's always the defense. We went through it with Invite, with with both Arc and and Ofer, right? A very well known retail guy on the on the investing side. And I mean, he actually, by the way, a week and a half ago, capitulated on he was <laughs> on that thesis, right? Basically, he's, he's had enough of the cash burn and the fact that. Two years later, after everyone who speculated on anything made a ton of money, uh, Invite shareholders are down. I mean, as they, they were, as of last week, at one point down 5% since uh, the summer of 2019, which the whole printing money and crypto, like if you were willing to go crazy and take risks on the future, that's like, I don't know, being down like 75% I mean, <laughs> on, a, on a trade in, in any other tape, right? Like if Apple tripled, and all the fangs doubled or tripled, right? In the window that you were you you had this on, and people made ten times their money and all these SaaS names, and there's plenty of genetic stocks that did well, and this is what you ended up with. I mean, it's frustrating. But the bottom line is, in his case, we don't want to we don't want to get off track there. But in his case, he defended it. Took him two years to essentially be like, okay, this narrative is constantly changing, and move on. Nobody like that exists for this stock, and I'm confident. Nobody like that is going to be emerging from the stock at all, based on what we've seen over the last ten days. So, like, what management did is, to a degree, not surprising. But like, if you can't come out and explain how, how, how this uh, this gifting behavior works, and you know, I was I was joking about it. I was like, if you can't explain it, it makes the countries that you're operating in look stupid. So, like, you have that kind of catch twenty two, where like you're now on the radar. In a region that's going to be like, wait, you have no local shareholders, you have nothing tied in, all your developments in China, you're using third-party APIs, and you're making this much money off of our local population, not even the expats, which is a big deal, and you're providing free voice over IP essentially to the to the uh, uh, the expat population that can't afford or does or is financially limited with what they can afford with respect to telecommunications, where we have monopolies. Like, that's just not a good look, right? So not that I remotely think that that's the case, 
but you know it's it's one thing where i'd be like all right like you have to have some sort of soft way of doing it and you would have been diplomatically able to do it so like you have to do you, you just wonder with this business and then you do the buyback right like the buyback is like you know, if it, it, and a whole host of red flags. You have a stock that priced at seven fifty, raised a little over one hundred and fifty million dollars. Okay, it's supposedly growing two hundred twenty percent top line. Has sixty percent free cash flow margins. IPO'd, you know, the beginning of October and the September of twenty twenty, and six months later, at a little over two times the price, like one hundred thirty, one hundred forty percent higher, wants to buy back their shares. Because, you know, a bunch of people put out re- negative reports on it, questioning the, the the nature of the business. That was their response. Like, so like what? I mean, like if you're buying back the stock at that level, you know, going back to all the th- talk about IPOs and underpriced IPOs, like it seems like the dumbest thing you could have ever done in less than six months. And by the way, you haven't exited. The insiders are still sitting on it. You got two somewhat notable Asian VCs sitting there. and. Like they're not in the business of IPOing to hold it for forever, right? Like it's like the idea was to sell. You seem to have pulled up your earnings date, which should have been probably in June, right after a lockup expiry. So like you're in a window between a lockup expiry and an earnings uh, blackout, and then you would think you'd be doing some sort of secondary or you know like an offering to continue the essentially the IPO process. And now here you are, right? Where people are being like, wait, what exactly like do you guys do? And like having to explain yourself. Yeah. And their their press releases just for the listeners and we'll link to this in the show notes, but the press releases, the one is very boilerplate, as you've said. And then the second one where they announced the buyback, they get a little bit of they start to allude to we we have the company affirms that it has not placed any robots in any of its chat rooms or otherwise manipulated its MAU or other operating or financial data. We have a Yella has a solid business model and monetization model, which uh, is is true if you believe their numbers or understated. It's the best ever. That's yeah. my point, right? So. So yeah, there, you're, there's... You're, you're, you're better than everybody at social and you're better than everybody at gaming monetization. Uh, you have to spend almost nothing on R&D and you can just clone everything from now till the end of time, which by the way is part of the story of the Chinese when it comes to this stuff and why they're looking for external markets because it's hyper-competitive internally and it's become excessively regulated internally. So the stock like hasn't... It briefly popped on the buyback and it did, you know, a little bit of the sort of a stock sells off and then it'll thrash back higher. But it's more than 20% down since the Friday before last close. It's a down, I think, from when you tweeted out the presentations down about 19, 18, 19%. It's like essentially now close to flat on the year, right? Yeah. But still, still double its IPO price. Which, by the way, when I say double its IPO price, it traded in the single digits for two months. It's not like it didn't, like, like it was something that IPO'd and then popped immediately, right? Like it was actually down on its IPO day. It, it's definitely one of those where the marginal buyer came in around, uh, you know, the, the social audio stuff. 
And that could explain a lot of the dynamics that have happened with, you know, why no accelerated secondary offering, things like that. You know, maybe there was a little bit of a in the Kool-Aid around uh, around Clubhouse. So what are you watching for now? To, like this, this seems as even, you know, having the, the luxury of re- recording this after today where the stock dropped again post buyback announcement. Like, what are you watching for at this point? It seems... Look, look, it's a low flow stock. Yeah. Right. It's kind of this like eyesore in the sense now, if you look at it with where it is. And Morgan Stanley had a note out on it today where they like diplomatically just backed off. They brought the price down from 28 to 16. And they said, and they basically said, you know, according to what they say, you know, according to their financials disclose and their disclosures. This is, you know, our take here. And like they, they called out some headwinds, uh, the same things around Ramadan and stuff like that. And like maybe the end of COVID, but being the under, lead underwriter on this, they didn't seem to want to do anything more as far as the sell side research guy on it. So I would call that like not a defense. And I'm going to guess that analyst got to pick up the phone and talk to them. So if that's all you got out of him, it's a very bad sign. You know, there's like not much else to say there. Like, he gave you like a paragraph and, and he essentially punted it to management. So this is one of those where you just kind of wonder what, but you know, one from an operating basis, like how are they going to function over there? You know, I, I was pointing out that like, you know, people have, have, have cited other frauds and like things like what if it's the GSX and it's like, well, look, you got app stores in between here, which you didn't have there. And because you've committed to a region, like there's no section 230 or anything, right? Like supposedly you're deriving bulk of your revenue from Saudi Qatar, right? Like not even the UAE based on what you've, what you've disclosed. So like you have no UAE buy-in, you essentially, you know, are Chinese DNA with an office space there while your entire development, financial operations, marketing, whatever it is, secret sauce you're doing is all in China. And you have no social media presence. You're not doing any of these things. Yeah, maybe you announce some stuff, your collaboration here, there, whatever you're working with. So, but it's one of these where like, why would you want to associate with it if you're in the region? And if you're in the region and you think that this is something that the SEC one day gets around to, why would you, why would you let it continue to operate? Like, why would you, like if you're blocking WhatsApp calls, and you're blocking house party. How is this operating? Because you have uh, like a middle management guy who used to work at, at one of the telcos. And then you added another guy from the second telco after the former CEO to your audit committee. After you IPO, like you don't have any Middle Eastern shareholders or no. It's a tough spot to be in. And it's a tough spot to be the VCs because like, what do you do with this? Do you distribute it? To your LPs at like the uh, at the close mark, and and know that when they have to sell it, they take a hit, like because supply is essentially the problem here. And then there's the flip side, you know, there are people looking at it from the short standpoint, like well, what about a short squeeze? Yeah, of course. I mean, look at the float. Like, I mean, if they actually fill this buyback, well, like you're going to be looking at like a sub five percent float. Like, why are you public? You know, who's going to want to associate with it? You know, taking it a step further, right? When it does look this bad. Like, why would anybody want to bail you out? 
Like what? Like who, who are you going to convince in that in, in that situation? Where it's like, look, your IPO. It's not like you have a margin call coming or anything, right? Like the IPO at seven, the stock can trade back to like seven. It can trade down to like three, and you can figure out what to do with it uh, before the regulators get around to you. But if this was to have like a pop, you know, like some short squeeze, let's say it doubled in a day. You know, we joke about these things before, but like now you got to consider that distinct possibility, particularly since it wouldn't take much firepower to do it with something like this. And you're like, all that would do is bring a ton more attention to you. Like you're going to just indict yourself because like, I mean, you've seen, and you've seen it on Twitter and you've seen it like with the unanimousness that people don't buy into what's going on here. And the first moves that they made make you question it even more. Like, I mean, if I would, if I had been in their shoes, and I was found this situation, right? I would not have done anything that they just did. Like they might as well just said nothing and waited to see, you know, a regulator showed up. Or they could have come out and tried to explain the actual product, do a presentation, here's what's going on, and so on and so forth. That would have been what you would do if you were highly confident in what you were doing, but not put out a boilerplate. You would not be making sure, like I've already seen them deleting stuff in the app you know, doing things to add into the app. Like you don't put out something and say, we're not aware of anything. You, we do not place stuff in the app. And then the, the rooms that had like the most distinct bots consistently in the same time windows, that all of a sudden, you know, you're deleting them, which is fine. I mean, you see how much the, uh, the actual user numbers have come down. Like if you look at the lobby, there's no longer six, seven, 800, right? It's like a hundred people in a room at the, at the top hot rooms. But at least on the English version and on the Arabic version, you've seen a reduction as well. But I mean, if you've, if you've eliminated those within two days, that you're essentially acknowledging <laughs> that uh, this was something going on. Like what, the, someone mystically just eliminated them for you? And like, you know, you're adding an iOS. <laughs> you've created a new type of membership called Patrician just suddenly. You know, the app's been around for five years. You're crushing it. Just in the week this stuff comes out, you add a subscription service in the app store. I mean, how, how suspicious is that? You know, like you can't, I mean, you can't even take it seriously. So, I mean, like, I don't know. The Middle East has had its fair shares of headaches. I just don't see like, I don't see any buy-in on this one where it's like, hey, we need to protect this. And I think some of it, what they're what they're doing just feels insulting because that's not what goes on in the Majlis. People there are not <laughs> going to just give away their money, right? I mean, it's perpetuating a Western stereotype to anybody who's believed that have been willing to buy it, or you're doing something wrong. And then there's the, the fourth part, which is like, this is where things get tricky. I mean, I like I don't even feel like bothering with this part, but like there is speech on the app that is not condoned in the region. So like the app has all those issues that you would expect. And I mean, we're talking about now with this Israeli-Palestinian thing, there's conversations, there's conversations about corruption, there's conversations about everything on there. They tell you that like the, the moderation guidelines are to have no religion, no porn, and no politics, and uh, no posting of, you know, what do you call it, gore, violence, or whatever. And those are like the four kind of things that like the admins are are there to protect against. But like in some cases, you know, like the admins are part of the conversation and they're very fired up about certain things. So politics and religion are quite present on the platform as, as conversation topics. 
So like you get into this whole like if these things are are there and WhatsApp chat is not there and like you your metrics are right like when you when you look at what they're reporting and you're telling me at, at, at potentially you know let's say 70% of MD MAUs are are coming from the kingdom of Saudi Arabia for some of it well then I mean you got a serious problem right like either it's an app in the country that is a phenomenon in a place where YouTube's you know per capita consumption is the highest on earth and yet it has no YouTube presence and nobody's aware of it like they didn't get special regulatory approval like that would seem to be something really important like you know you would need to like you would have to have that covered if you're running a live audio with anonymous users and like your conspicuous consumption is occurring and there's private rooms that you can put a password on right i mean you know these guys had argued that they have really top machine learning technology and they can't remove basic duplicate accounts from their platform you want to believe that and like you're seeing all kinds of i mean it has the inappropriate photos and pictures being uploaded so you i mean i've used it for a couple of months and i've screenshotted a few stuff that like you know would be viewed as taboo so like that cannot be cutting edge ml tech to protect the platform and i mean again if you're not going to spend on basic social media like am i going to believe you have ml tech that's cutting edge no <laughs> like optically you're not consistent yeah there's just so many things about this that just kind of don't make sense even on the surface and then when you kind of think a yeah, little bit harder and the leaderboard. remember what you what your thoughts on the leaderboard well just the yeah the idea that if you're gonna if you're an ecosystem that depends on people being engaged and competitive for a leaderboard and then it breaks people are gonna freak out even if it's a, you know things break for whatever reason but if you're not and you're set you didn't hear any sort of uproar among people or any talk of that and that's that's to me like uh like that stuff and it just makes sense if that's what you're you can't have a basketball game where all of a sudden in the third quarter the scores just get go in reverse or something like people are going to wonder what's going on and they're not going to really be happy yeah, because it's entirely waiting. possible that there's some people who are on the app who are actually believing it and spending right like you know a, a small handful that are spending some money and they're basically being made tools of never being able to reach right way the top of that board i mean i, I seriously doubt anyone is uh, on uh, with like legitimate dollar for dollar spending on that level but yeah it's got all that stuff i mean this is one of those things that like in another market you know before we saw everything like it falls i don't know 80 percent if something like this week happened and then you do the buyback and you begin all this stuff but look, look this is an interesting thing because people like ask about shorting and, and things and it's like yeah but like you know and this is debatable and that's this and this is like you know when you get into the difficult things around a short like if you think about genetic testing right that's the future right we're collecting all this data and we're losing per test because we have a grandiose vision about what we can do and how we're going to change the world that's what amazon.com did so you you bet against us you're betting against the people who got rich off amazon.com you frame it that way or you know we have some cutting edge lead our tech or we're working on a new bet some of those may pan out, 
we're going to replace the plastic straw with something that works functionally. You know, I, I went to a baseball game yesterday and no straws. Mm-hmm. Drove me crazy, right? And it's funny you're talking about, you know, the potential for like a company like this, uh, Danamer or whatever, to, to do this. These are the things where like you find yourself in conversations about the future. This is like your business today is amazing, but I don't believe your business today. It's not like I don't believe what you can do. I don't believe what you are presently doing. Like Nikola will come out and people are like, well, they rolled the truck down the hill. It wasn't finished. Yes, but we have this in the lab and we're ready to go. And we needed marketing materials for this. You may be really focusing on this, but we actually have this technology that other people of skill have evaluated. And that's why we got these investors, you know, who, who respected us. Fraud is very different in the sense that what you've convinced the people who are investing in is not what's going on. Have you ever been the victim of it? You know, like you can fool smart people and trust can become an issue. So people are like, you know, what are these people thinking who've invested here or done this? Well, it could be just one person who's managed to keep, you know, the whole thing going. And these things, you know, it turns out can go a lot further than people think. And you, you often underestimate them. And maybe somewhere down the, down the road, I mean, it's highly unlikely, but, you know, you find something that works, right? Like you have people now who'll be like, well, maybe they maybe like they figured something out with the, the Ludo gaming app. And that's why it's, you know, number two in the app store here on, on gross revenue. It's like, yeah, but that still doesn't add up. Like we've looked at this and we, we saw this pattern here before. And that's exactly what happened here. And now it seems to be happening here. Like, does there seem to be something that you have found that's unusual about this that can't be explained? Yeah, and it's not our job to explain it, right? Like a business shouldn't be this, what's the word, uh, complex, that it's supposedly this simple. That's the thing with it. Like you shouldn't, you shouldn't struggle. You should just be able to, to get it across. There should be competitors looking to do what you do. And we were talking about the damage that a business like this does because it does compete with like, there's a Spotify of the Middle East that you know, I was very focused on and it's gone through a hard slog to get to 30 million in gross revenue. It's supporting local creators. It's got nearly 200 employees. It's got your typical type of employees. You know, They're from other startups or they have other social media companies. It's got regional investors behind it. It's got international investors behind it. It's got that whole mix, right? It's got everything that you would expect and it's supporting, you know, it's the definition of localized, right? And it's doing the fraction. It's, you know, it's got a 200 million EV, uh, just did uh, a SPAC. Right, announced there's, yeah, yeah, intention to go that route. And like, that's going to be measuring itself from an exit against this supposedly first tech unicorn to list from the NYSC from the UAE. And that company is based in Abu Dhabi, this Angami. So like, you, you, like if, if I'm a founder, I have to look at that company and say, how are they monetizing like this? Let's add gifting. Let's add virtual gifts like that, right? This thing's going to become a distraction. How are they doing that? How are they doing this? If I'm an investor in it, you know, I'm going to put pressure on management to do these things. And if I'm an LP, like, why didn't you get me invested in something like this? Look at this company crushing it in the region. And here's what's going on with this. Go find me this. And that's when people stop doing the work. That's when something comes along that says, I have 60% free cash flow margin. I've localized. But like, you look at it and you see, like, it doesn't have a YouTube or Twitter presence in Saudi Arabia. And you see that it doesn't 
allow you to register membership, you know, subscription subscription membership through the Apple App Store, but it's like, you know, a monetization engine that is super whale driven who are trying to achieve status. Like that's what it's like. These are, these are basic things to figure out. I mean, yes, like if you were privately asking about this, maybe they don't tell you what's going on and you kind of can't figure that out yourself. And there's certain things that are publicly disclosed, but like a user can, so a user would get on, right? There's just certain things that you can't conceal because like we said, unlike something like a GSX or anything else, like you have app stores in between, right? And it's public you have facing. You yeah. between who, who block things, right? Like that's where you get, like pe- people are going to look at this. And this is why I think they have, they're going to have a challenge is that they're going to look at this and be like, why, why is this company getting an exception? Right. And they're going to look at the exterior and see nobody's invested in it from the Middle East. Actually, nobody's invested in, in it from anywhere but China. And they're going to be like, okay, this is somebody is making money off of this presence here. And then that's going to draw the spe- that's just going to draw the specter of a bad look. And that's where you get into, you know, the challenges that the regulators are going to face looking at it. I mean, like if I was in, I'd just be like, look, explain how this works and prove it out. Right. Like, I mean, I would be like the irony is so happy for these guys to be able to prove it out. I think everybody would because everybody from a spectator standpoint would love to see exactly what's going on. Like start with step one, be like, you know, we submit to the greatest audit uh, ever, ever done. Yeah. And they, they're the steps they're taking shorter steps and and cuts. Well, they did the exact opposite and watch them. They will obviously try to do a 180 as everybody does. And, you know, once you put these things out here, like, again, you know, I, I'm assuming they will listen to every single word of this, right? And uh, they're like, okay, we could do this. We could do that. <laughs> it's like a, from a consulting standpoint, you're, you're, you're almost doing their work. Maybe we should, uh, maybe we should hold this off for a week or two. <laughs> it's, I mean, it's like, it's, we should maybe, maybe definitely think about that. I don't know. But in the grand scheme of things, yes, like you're opening that door because everything that they've done so far is, you know, classic. And remember, if you're not sophisticated at this game, like there's this assumption people are like, well, yeah, but this management team, they have access. Like who says that, right? Like it's not like you've got an IR dude from, from, from here and like a person who was selling tele- telecommunications equipment. How much do you think they've studied about like uh, market frauds and what short sellers focus on and what like immediately is going to be an inconsistency that draws someone's attention to the point that you've got, you know, four reports, you know, in a week. And God knows how many other people have looked at this thing, by the way, you know, adding the ability to, to understand the region, the behavior and, and, and get like, get the hustle of like a Chinese firm setting up localizing uh, gifting in, in MENA and then selling that narrative to Western investors and making it all the way to the New York, so- New York Stock Exchange on the back of that, you know, there's oil, there's, there's board oil money that buys virtual gifts. Like, turns out that's not a hard sale. I mean, I've seen people go back and forth over this, it's like conspicuous consumption, right? And they leaned into that at the IPO. They're not stupid. So they're pointing it out. They're saying this is whale supported. So if this is something that's supported by like a thousand people, essentially for the bulk of revenue, then you're 
going to have a lot of people in the region who are very curious as to why they're doing what they're doing. And that's probably something that would be occurring behind closed doors. And that's where I think you're going to see scrutiny because it's definitely not the native gifting that occurs in the app where they're sitting in a room and they're chatting and then just people are sending each other like magic castles and toucans and, and Lamborghinis. That's either seated, you know, uh, with, 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 with app currency to like a higher level admin or some sort of program being run because when you watch that gifting run at scale, it's like you're working to get what person who has the significant wealth drop $100,000 in the app wants to spend the entire time just gifting everybody. Like you're not really enjoying yourself. It's the equivalent of like, you know, like gifting addiction. So I have, I have theories on like what could explain things. Uh, I think other people do as well. And I think we'll find out in due course. All right. Well, let's let's leave it there for now. I think we okay. I think I think the investing case is pretty solid. I think the questions, the broader questions here are pretty interesting. Can we even talk about those basic elements, right? Like that YY trade that less than two times sales, that Lizzie is trading at 0.8 times sales. And you know, this thing was just up until recently trading at, you know, 25 times 2020, right? I mean. The forward numbers are great now because they're they're they're, they're printing what, two hundred twenty percent last quarter on the top line, but there is that whole element where it's like maybe that this is just like end of COVID, and you would expect that as well. Even if you believed it was real, it's running into headwinds. But I don't think anyone's looking at it from 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 that standpoint here. So I, I expect this, you know, far for the course. They'll start talking about you know the, how how they're gonna replace WhatsApp and then how they'll they'll be the the greatest player in the region, they're the next, uh, they're the next, you know, Tencent, uh, whatever, uh, WeChat, and uh, they'll offer everything because they understand the region better than anybody. Yeah, <laughs> they've got the secret sauce, and where that secret's gonna have to come out yeah, one way or the other. They, they figured out the Majlis. The key was always the Majlis. We'll know that we're as successful as a platform when we have a Metroist, when people are giving us gifts. So, look, to... $100,000 a month, Daniel, I'll come hang out with you every day. <laughs> <laughs> you all I have to, if all I have to do is talk, I mean, you're going to take over OnlyFans with that, right? Like, I have to take no clothing off, which is all right. Let's do it. <laughs> uh, we'll, see. we'll see where Twitter goes with their tip jar. Maybe that'll fill in for now. But all right, good stuff on this, Akram. And uh, let's right. see how it plays out. Take care. Thank you for listening to The Razor's Edge. Subscribe to this wherever you get your podcasts. Hit us up on Twitter at, at Daniel Shortman and at Akram's Razor with suggestions, requests, or anything else. We aim to publish this every Tuesday morning and love to hear from you. If you can share this with a friend or leave a review on Apple Podcasts, we'd really be grateful as that will help the podcast grow and improve. This has been a Short Man Studios production. Our theme song is Move On by Soquel. Thank you for listening and see you next week.